Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Great football. Get fired up, Eric Spence. Get your ass up. It's football Friday. Why are you yelling at our program director? Because he ain't fired up. I know it. <laughs> Probably mumbling somewhere, grumbling. He's not even here. Scowl on his face. He's somewhere. Not... He's somewhere. Yeah, I know he's somewhere. He but... ain't fired up. <laughs> I'm trying to get him fired up. It's football Friday, baby. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> wow. I'm ready to go. I am... Sports are happening. Yeah. Sports is happening. Talking to coaches last night on the show. Gus Malzahn, he's fired up. Let's do it. Carrion Johnson said he's been intense all week. Well, I would hope see, so. See if that helps. No, no. Coach is supposed to be chill all week and wait till Saturday to get all intense. Yeah. Yeah. And Coach Nutt gave a pregame speech last night. Whoo! To who? Miss it. To us. He was just saying, what would you say to the Florida Gators? It was good, man. So he's oh. auditioning on the air for Almost a job somewhere. tackled Dana Jacobson. It was so good. <laughs> that College not, football. That wouldn't have been a good thing, man. Oh, he had me fired up. I was ready to run through a brick wall. Run, ready to run through a studio monitor for him. Well, yeah. Okay. Coach Nutt still has it. Somebody call him. Give him a job so I can be his get-back coach. Yeah, a pivotal weekend in college football. Huge. For sure. Or and imagine big. if Florida State didn't stink the way that they did, and you had Clemson, Florida State on top I of I know. That we're team. not even talking about that. How about that? Well, not even talking about that Because of all these other games, and yeah. you figure Clemson, Clemson's going to win the game. So mm. um, we will go in-depth. With the college football. Yeah, we will. Let's get hurt. Let's get hurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. In about 40 minutes, and then Chris Sims is going to join us. He's going to talk some college football and Notre Dame and how good they are, and he's watched them the entire season. But we do start with the Thursday night game last night. Not so much the game itself as Seattle goes on to beat an Arizona team that's just a shell of what they should be. And even if they were all healthy, I don't know if they would be one of the best teams in the NFC. But they are just a mess. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have David Johnson. Adrian Peterson's been good in a couple of games. Larry Fitzgerald's had a nice season. The defense is okay. But they just can't compete you know, without David Johnson and Carson Palmer there. But it's really about the Seattle Seahawks and what happened last night on Thursday night. And when stuff happens, negative stuff happens to the most outspoken team in the NFL, it becomes a very large deal. And Richard Sherman, and he wasn't the only one that got hurt last night for the Seahawks, but clearly the biggest one. Richard Sherman uh, appears to have torn his Achilles, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Now, this was an Achilles injury that was lingering, and it was something that he knew about. and something he was dealing with. He even said after the game that, because of his experience, he knew how to put himself in a position to not put too much strain on that Achilles, but because it was a Thursday night game, it ended up being harder for him to do that 
Doug Baldwin comes out, says that Thursday night games should be illegal. <laughs> and and now here's this whole discussion coming up again because Richard Sherman got hurt on a Thursday night. Yeah, we had it last week with Richie Incognito. They they were dominating that game versus the Jets, so we summarily dismissed his complaints because uh, they didn't do anything. And now you have the Seahawks, as you mentioned. And it wasn't just Richard Sherman who went out and, and is out for the season. You had a number of players on that defense. Sheldon Richardson left the game. Jaron Reed left the game. They had a whole host of guys. Uh, Branch for the Cardinals. He, he, Cam he, Chancellor he, left for a little Cam bit. Cam Chancellor left for a little. And, and Branch uh, went down on that first touchdown grab by Jimmy Graham. Now that's a play where whether you're playing on Sunday or, or Thursday or Friday, it doesn't matter. Uh, the way uh, his leg uh, planted. Uh, that can happen on any given day. Uh, but, you know, th- there's merit to complaining about Thursday night games. We've talked about it time and time again here, how your body feels, and especially this late in the season, you're over halfway through the season, and I've said it, it takes at least six, seven days for you before you start feeling like yourself again, and you wake up and you do it all over again. Now these guys have that time frame truncated, and, and they're trying to get ready uh, you try to instill a game plan, and your body is just not made to rebound as quickly. Uh, it, it playing at the professional level, I would even say at the college level, you're not your body's not made to rebound as quickly as it ordinarily would if you had a, a six or seven days to prepare for a game. So th- that notwithstanding, it doesn't seem like anything's going to change here uh, anytime soon. It's about money, and and you you that was uh, a, a game where. You can look back on it, even with 10 days now left to get ready for your next ball game. and say, man, was it worth the cost? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know how much of these injuries are because of Thursday night and if we're ever going to know. Now, here's a part of this that the Seahawks are not going to want to hear this morning because they're going to point to the NFL, and it seems like they've got the most uh, cantankerous attitude towards the league as a team. That locker room seems to always have... You know, something going on. But if Richard Sherman and Pete Carroll believe that that Achilles, if not managed correctly, is going to pop because they knew about it and they knew that the thing wasn't totally stable and they know that on Thursday night football that maybe it's not going to be in the same shape it is on a Sunday because you don't get as much treatment, then why is he playing? You know, you can't put all that blame after it happens going, well, we knew this was going to happen because of Thursday night and Thursday night football sucks. I mean, if you had that much knowledge about it and you were that worried, then I know it's tough because he's one of the best corners in football and you're still fighting. you got a Rams team in your division that's good. I know that that's a tough decision, but guess what's worse than having a secondary without Richard Sherman last night? Having a secondary with Richard Sherman for the rest of the season, which is right. what you have now. Yeah, could you have managed this differently? Knowing yes. it's a short week, uh, but still, who's to say he wouldn't su- wouldn't have sustained the same injury if he had a full week? And if you've been dealing with it all year long, so that's a a, a tough one to categorize and and place the blame on a Thursday night. You're out there, you're making cuts. Uh, you, so far in the game, everything's fine. And then that one particular play, it, the thing pops. So maybe it was going to occur no matter when you played. So uh, I'm with you there. 
Yeah, and uh, luckily for them, Cam Chancellor just had a stinger. Uh, those things Ooh. can feel like something Ooh. else. and no, they, pe- they feel like nothing because everything goes numb. Right. Well, that's what I'm uh, basically, <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, and you and think, he'll be dealing with that the rest of the season. There's nothing yeah. you can do about it. He's going to continue to play. He'll try to strengthen it, but it, it will be there the rest of the season. He will re-injure it because he's a battering ram out there in that secondary. So that's something. I'm sure it's not his first one as hard as he hits, but that's something that will linger. Yeah, and he was he was carted off and and all that, but um, he's gonna. It seems like he's gonna be all right after that. And you know, Sherman is the one though that that you're concerned about. And, I and, just, and they just traded Jeremy Lane. Uh, remember they traded him to the Texans for Dwayne Brown. Yeah, but did Brown. that fall through though because of his physical? Did he fail his physical? Did he fail it? Is he back with the Seahawks? Uh, um, no. And, and and speaking of Dwayne Brown, he goes down with an ankle injury. It was just a whole host of. Of attrition for the, the Seahawks last year. Yeah, night. they they changed the deal because he failed his physical. Oh. So slide him in there, right? Remember how well he was playing until he broke his arm, that freakish injury. Well, he was awful earlier on this year. I oh, mean, yeah. he was he was. Whether you're a pro football focused believer or not, you know this guy. I mean, he was ranked as one of the the worst corners in football. Fell off. Yeah, totally fell off. Um, but I, yeah, I guess I mean it's it's a good thing that they have him. I would I would think now after this, but he's got to be. I mean, no one's going to be Richard Sherman, no. which is the, uh, the the biggest deal. Now, there's another issue in this game that had to do with injury that that people I think are going to be talking about a ton. So midway through the third quarter, Russell Wilson gets hit in the chin from Carlos Dansby. Now. Russell Wilson didn't get up woozy like we saw guys in the past. I forget the one I'm thinking of. Was it was it TJ Yates? Was it him? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Where he got up so woozy and he ended up staying in the game? No, it was Case Keenum. It was it all right, Case, Case Keenum, Keenum when he was right. with the Rams. Yeah. So and you're thinking, you know, what in the hell? The guy's gotta come out of the game. No. So it wasn't it wasn't any of that. No. But Walt Anderson, the head referee last night signals because now he has this power under the new concussion protocol stuff to send Russell Wilson off to get tested for a concussion. (laughs) So what happens is Russell Wilson runs off the field, goes into the tent, I think counts to three, and then (laughs) runs back into the game. The tent, they were lowering the tent, and he jumps through the opening of the tent before the the, the lowering of the tent is completed. I mean, now I don't know if the man had a concussion or not. But what I can say definitively is he didn't get checked for one properly. <laughs> there is no way that he did. Now, I get the whole I, – I get getting back in the game, and I get the quarterback stuff, and I totally understand the player's perspective on this. So I will never criticize a player all that much for acting that way even though I think that they should be looking out for themselves a little bit more. It's really tough to see that in that moment in the middle of a game when you're that competitive. And when you've been conditioned to fight through that, and that's why it's great that they've taken the power out of the player's hands. Right, but everybody else deserves the criticism here. I'm sorry, we can't be talking about this and trying to fix it and doing all of these things and all the stuff you hear and news of... Aaron Hernandez are the worst CT you've ever seen. And then have stuff like that happen on national television. It can't be happening. And I don't know if he played the rest of the game with a concussion, but that doesn't matter. What matters is you've got this new plan in place, 
Anderson sent him off, and he needs to be evaluated by somebody, and he somehow <laughs> sneakily ducked every person and got back in the game. Oh, he said it was just my jaw. Why was there a flag on that play? I mean, clearly he was hit under the chin, and we, you and I go back and forth on this, and I, I, I thought it was a good hit. But quarterbacks, they're usually protected like uh, like they're a newborn baby, and, and yet no flag there. I guess he hadn't been in the league as long or long enough either, like, a, like Cam Newton was told a, a couple of seasons ago. But uh, he said after the ball game, my, my jaw was seemed like it was locked. That was about it. I wasn't woozy. There was no concussion or anything like that. He still has to go through. I, I know he still has to go through it, and, and that will. Uh, I'm sure there will be a call made to the to the Seahawks or the official sitting up high who was supposed to uh, make sure he's taking notice of all those hits and and making sure that everyone enters the protocol if they feel warranted, and and so they will handle it. Yeah, I I just think that you know the more of these things that we see with because there's already and I, I I we argue well we don't argue we agree on the perception reality stuff. I hate when people say perception is reality when sometimes it's not that way. It's just what people think without actually looking into things and getting the truth out of it. You know, perception, sometimes that's just a lazy way of going about it. But there is a perception in the NFL you know, that that they don't know what they're doing when it comes to certain things. And one of those things is the concussions and dealing with concussions. And it's been like that for decades now because the NFL has hid behind false data and trotted out doctors that were on their payroll to say a bunch of bull crap so they don't they're not on the hook for lawsuits and all of this stuff we've gone through with this and and now here we are in week 10 of the 2017 season when we feel like we've got a decent handle on all of this and then one of your biggest stars in the game who by the way is still playing unlike a majority of the league right now where you have star after star going out and then that happens it looks terrible I didn't think it looked as bad as you do I didn't think it looked terrible. I, I, they did the eye test. It was obviously whoever sitting up, up up high for that particular game did an eye test and said, okay, it looks fine, and, and they left it alone. And, and then Russ Wilson comes out after the game and states uh, that he was fine. It was just his jaw was, was, was hurt uh, somewhat from that, that hit. So the eye test prevailed where ordinarily – with a hit like that, and especially when the referee directs you off the field, you would go through the protocol. Uh, but I, I didn't think he looked woozy, but that, that doesn't mean he wasn't. You, you're correct in that uh, observation, but I don't think it looked as terrible as it could have. So now with the NFC, and Russell Wilson is not going to miss any time, Richard Sherman out for the year, Camp Chancellor would be okay, we believe. But with the Seahawks now having suffered this injury with Richard Sherman and the Rams being where they are right now, I mean, I have to give, I have to knock them down a peg. You just have to, especially when you saw now Deshaun Watson special, but especially when you saw him just carving up that Seattle secondary in the way that he did just shows you, you know, that they're capable of that happening. And that happened in Seattle too. So now you're going to have even bigger issues with that. Uh, they still can't run the ball all that well. Nope. Uh, but lost they, CJ Procise. Yes, I mean, and they and they've got you know Rawls who has been up and down. They've got JD McKissick. I mean, they're just there's not a lot going on there. That offensive line still isn't great, even though it's improved some. 
Um, but it's basically, I mean, it's it's Russell Wilson on that offense, and, and Doug Baldwin, and one of the other guys tends to step up, whether it's Lockett or, or Richardson. And Graham's actually been better this year than he has been in previous He's years He's been there. outstanding. Yeah. Um, so you have that. But, I mean, I look at the Rams as like a – I just look at them as a better team right now, even though when the two met, I really liked the Seahawks in that game. They ended up hanging on in the end. But, I mean, the Rams are, are a healthier, more complete team in my opinion, right now. No, I would agree. And they're going to put a ton of pressure on your secondary with all those wide receivers. Uh, we witnessed that firsthand here when they took on the Giants. Uh, so uh, going into this next matchup, you would have to give the Rams uh, the heads up because of uh, their firepower on the offensive side of the ball. So the def- the offense for uh, the-, the Seahawks will have to carry today, I would think. Because uh, how many pass rushers can you count on that D-line? Cliff Averill's been out for the Seahawks for a while now. It may be done for the season, and there's some question whether or not he, he re- even returns to football. Uh, so can they go out and make some moves? Who knows uh, who's out there that they could plug into their defense now? Maybe some rookie or someone they uh, bet who they picked up and then released during the, the preseason. So uh, I'm sure they're scouring uh, waiver wires and everything else to see who can come in and help shore up that secondary. But And Earl Thomas has been out. You know, his hammy has been bothering him, so you lose another leader on that defense. So they're, they're going to be scrambling to shore up their secondary. And I, this is the last thing I'll say about Thursday Night Football. These teams and these players, they need to plan ahead more and not bitch after the fact. I am so tired of this. They've this, been bitching, though. It's not I'm like this is new. Exactly. I know. But I'm saying that it's enough's enough <laughs> now. How many years have we gone through this? How long do you know that you've got that Thursday night game on the schedule? When does the schedule come out? Was it March or April or yeah. something, you know months and months ahead of time that this game is happening then. But no one's talking to them then. There's no cameras in their face. No, it's but I'm, off season and what, they don't get the bitch until What they, I'm saying is plan ahead, plan accordingly, figure it out, do different things. As the coach, you know that it's there. It doesn't sneak up on you. It's not like after that Sunday game, like, oh, by the way, you're going to be playing on Thursday. Like, I mean, figure out a way whether you got to manage guys or I don't know. Maybe different guys get playing time. I don't what what, but just you can't complain about it anymore. It's not going to go away. And maybe it will. Maybe the more they complain, at some point uh, it'll resonate with the league office and they do away with it. Maybe keep it up. It's tough. I don't know how you can plan against. I mean, you play in Washington Sunday and they lose that ball game, of course. Uh, and, and so that's a tough team, especially defensively. And turned out to be even tougher offensively because Kirk Cousins threw some dimes down the stretch. So who are you going to sit? playing that game, and you're at home, so you want everyone to play. Uh, and then you have to go on the road and play a divisional foe. So uh, it's tough to manage that. It's not like the NBA where you got 162 of them. Yeah, well, the reason why it's not going to go away, no matter what anybody says or complains about it, is they are triple-dipping mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. with Thursday night football. And you get colorful uniforms to purchase. They're getting money from CBS, NBC, and Amazon. And Amazon. To put yeah. this garbage on the air. <laughs> Triple dipping. Yep. So mm. that's Good to be why. The king. Right, exactly. Can the Seahawks also stop with the penalties? 12 penalties last night. Arizona should not have been in that game. Should not have been in that game. Drew Stanton, who's overthrowing, underthrowing. Uh, wide receivers. He had maybe one or two good throws. But other than that, they should not have been in that game, if not for all the penalties. Coming up next, unbelievably... 
There's another turn with the Ezekiel Elliott case. It's like a soap opera, isn't it? It's worse. We're coming right back. <laughs> Talk to Gio and Jones now. 855-212-4CBS. What's Hi, going on? Andrew. Bogus. Hi, my best friends. Uh, the Bogus. Seahawks led only by five. They were facing a second and 21 near midfield mm. early fourth quarter last night in Arizona. And then Russell Wilson did this. Shotgun snap comes into Wilson. Fakes the give to McKissick. Rolls left, holds it on his hip. Now he's going to scramble around back to the right side. Backing up to the 30-yard line. Scrambling, scrambling, throwing down the left sideline. Caught by Baldwin at the 45. Down the sideline with a block to the 30, to the 20. Baldwin to the 10 and shoved out of bounds inside the 5. Russell Wilson pulling a rabbit out of his Calm down, <laughs> Kevin Kugler. Oh, man. So, so was, he, was he throwing it away or was he throwing it to Doug Baldwin or someone in the vicinity? I think he was throwing it to Baldwin. I yeah, I thought he, I, there were two receivers. There's one a little higher up the field than, than Baldwin. I thought he, he knew there were receivers over there, and he was hoping one of them would catch it. Uh, that play covered 54 yards. The next play was Wilson's second touchdown pass of the night to Jimmy Graham. The Seahawks a 22-16 win. Now even with the Rams in the win column at 6 atop the NFC West, but it all comes at a huge cost. Richard Sherman suffering a season-ending torn Achilles, which he apparently saw coming. It's been bothering me all season, so, you know, it's one of them things you just have to play through as long as you can, and then, you know, when it goes, it goes. Sherman, one of seven. I mean, is that really the right approach, though? I mean, so you're telling me that he knew. He's basically saying that he knew it was going to go at some point. That it was an injury, yeah. Right. It was inevitable. That it was going to pop. So, like, you can't – there's nothing you can do? I have never sustained an Achilles uh, injury. Uh, I have friends who have torn theirs. I don't know if it's something you could just play with and you know eventually it's going to pop unless you just sit out and start rehabbing it and saying the season's over now yeah, to, but, to, to avoid yeah. that. I, I wonder, though, like, what if he – like, the first six games of the season or first eight weeks of the season, he rehabbed it, rehabbed it, rehabbed it to the point where he could play now till the end when you know that they're going to be in the mix somehow in the postseason – and then it's not popping, and he's not out for the rest of the year. And it's not something that he may not even be ready for by training camp next year. You know, I mean, it just seems weird to me. Like, oh, we're just going to play and play and play until it pops, and whenever it pops, it pops. Eventually, it's, it's going to go. So let's let's go play. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think you might be taking his words a little too literally. I don't think he knew that there was a definite end date coming, but his Achilles was a problem, and it was a you know, and and he also goes on to say like. You could you can't talk me out of not playing. So right, he hadn't he, missed a game his could, entire career. Right, he could have gotten through the season just fine and then addressed it afterwards. That wasn't like he knew it was going to tear at some point, but it sounded like that, it also though. can be a sudden injury. And I think his point was my Achilles hasn't been great, yeah. so I'm not shocked that this happened. Mm. Okay. Either way, he's out. Six other Seattle regulars were lost during that game last night. On the flip side, Cardinal running back Adrian Peterson held to just 29 yards on 21 carries. He fumbled to start the night. And was pulled down in the end zone for uh, a safety. I love when you almost get the carry yard ratio right perfect. You know, 21 <laughs> carries, 29 yards. Almost perfect mm, there. Almost even. A nicer guy. Exactly, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott denied another injunction yesterday by the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The Cowboy running back has one more route left to get back on the field soon. But for now, he will not play this weekend and would miss four games total until his next court date on December 1st. The Patriots claim tight end Martellus Bennett off waivers from the Packers yesterday. And if the Giants are to fire head coach Ben McAdoo and or GM Jerry Reese, it reportedly will not happen during the season. The 76ers' five-game winning streak snapped in Sacramento last night, 109-108. 
Brett Brown's team allowed the final seven points of the game. We've been doing well closing out games, and we went rogue. We didn't show the discipline. That thing you're talking about is the end result of chaos. And, you know, that's part of young guys learning how to play smarter. De'Aaron Fox knocked down the winning Jay with 13 seconds Boston Police Commissioner (laughs) Brent Brown, right? Chaos. (laughs) Chaos. The Rockets kept the Cavaliers struggling 117-113 in Houston. Cleveland has dropped six of eight. A triple-double for James Harden, 35 points, 11 rebounds, and 13 assists. The Thunder losing their fourth straight 102-94 in Denver. The Wizards handled the Lakers 111-95. And the Raptors outscored the Pelicans 122-118. An MRI in the right ankle of Celtic rookie Jason Tatum came back negative. He's questionable for tonight against Charlotte. Japanese star Shohei Otani will be posted for major league teams. That, according to Japanese media reports, the 23-year-old is 3-2 and two with a 3.20 ERA while hitting 332 with eight homers and 33 RBI. And Yarmir Yager scored his first goal as a Calgary Flame last night in a 6-3 defeat of Detroit. Boys. That guy's actually very interesting, that Otani guy, because yeah. he wants to pitch and hit. Like, and he wants to be a pitcher and a right fielder. Go, <laughs> go to the National League, right? Or he can at least gets to hit if he's just a pitcher. No, 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 no. no. He wants to play four days and pitch a fifth. Yes. Oh, he wants wants to. to, Yes. He wants to be the right fielder every day other than when he's pitching. That's cool. (laughs) I know it's, but it is cool. But is a team going to let him do that? Or does a team, do they get a compromise where he's a DH a couple of days a week when he's not pitching as opposed to being out there every single day because you think. I mean, it's some t- I be guess sweet. he's been doing this, but right. I mean, don't you get exhausted? No, nah, when you're 23, you're fine. I don't know. Play every position at 23. No sleep. Yeah, but I mean, every day you're out there in right field, and then on that uh, that that other day you're out there, you know, trying to go. Give, give him innings. a day off before he has to pitch. I mean, I don't. Uh, but this that'd is, be an interesting experiment. I'd look forward to seeing that. But it's gonna happen because he doesn't like the, whatever team ends up getting him. I think is going to have to agree ahead of yeah. time to say this is what we want because that's exactly what well, he great. wants to do. I, I love it that we can get get away with these, uh, get away from pitch counts and all that stuff, and just go out there and be a baseball player and play till your arm falls off. Yeah, I don't think we'll get away from it, but this guy's going to show up a lot of people. That's for sure. You know, <laughs> well, Otani's doing it, <laughs> right? You know. Oh, yeah, go, go tell it to Otani that you need an extra day off today. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, Bogish, thanks, man. Uh, so you heard some of the details from Bogish about the latest with Ezekiel Elias. He showed up in court yesterday here in New York, and there is just so much to sift through it. I, You know, I, I think, you know, for fans, I don't think they really care about the details because, I mean, at this point, I don't even care about the details anymore except the big facts, which are, can he play or can he not play? And right now, he cannot play. How long can he? is he going to be suspended for? It's at least four games yeah. because you're not going to be able to be heard until December with his last appeal. So that's what you know. And is there any other way out? Which the answer is yes. In December, there is one more opportunity for him to get out of this or at least... I mean, get the last two games knocked off of it. Right. 
So he's going to sit out four games. So more than half of the suspension that was initially handed down and the saga continues. And the running joke we had last night was, uh, okay, suspend it, but give it two hours. It'll be reinstated because that's the way it's been going. The pendulum just swings back and forth in this deal. Uh, But, yeah, he's going to have to sit down for four games and just – you know, bite the bullet and deal with it, and maybe the, the last two get lopped off. I wouldn't be surprised if they're they're not. And uh, it, you know, we're here. This uh, he, he's crossed the Rubicon. All the legal wrangling and and uh, recourse seems like it's it's come to an end. Other than these last two games that uh, that are left on the suspension. Yeah, and it's unbelievable because I think with this same and just trying to get through this and listening and reading stuff. Like, the same stuff that was said in the court yesterday that led to him being off of the field for this week and the next three was said, essentially, the first time around that allowed him to play week one. Remember that whole thing? Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, well, you can play week one? And and people are like, well, wait a second. All this language is saying that the suspension's got to start, but he's got to play week one. We weren't sure why. And now they're saying he can't play until this second thing is heard. Well, and it's also interesting that the judge yesterday ruled that the league did not have to take into consideration the testimony of its lead investigator. Uh, that's been the whole crux of this thing. Why wouldn't you listen to the person who you have charged with going out and investigating this thing who talked to both parties involved and felt like no suspension was warranted? So it's just a huge legal mess right now. And it should have never gotten there. I mean, and I know this is the court's problem now, and it's not the NFL that you can blame for this. But, I mean, you can blame them for when they overstep their bounds. And then this stuff happens. It happened because they were the catalyst for it to happen. And and, and for Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, this guy firmly believes that he's innocent, and he's got to be going through this this whole deal, and it's just, and it's be, and whatever Jerry Jones' phrase was the other day, where he's basically saying, you know, the, an overcorrection. That's what it was, right? An overcorrection, which is what I've been saying since mm-hmm. the beginning. Yeah. It's the same thing with Brady and Spygate, an overcorrection because you didn't get it right the first time. Same thing with Ellie. You didn't get uh, Zeke, uh, you didn't get uh, Ray Rice right. You didn't get Josh Brown right. You didn't get any of these guys right. And now you have to say you're tough on domestic violence. So now we don't even care. If he did it or not, there's some stuff out there, so we're going to suspend his ass. And for six games, bottom line, tough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, stop. Yeah, this is all about PR and perception, and the league wants to look be looked upon as someone that uh, keeps its players in line, and, and they are not in the babysitting business. They're in the professional football business, and if the, the, the legal authorities say, hey, they're, they're, we can't bring a case here, that should supersede anything the league hands out. Yeah, and uh, give Goodell an, an extension, right? I can't even get that out of my mouth. Give Goodell an extension after all this. I mean, this nonsense that's going on. It seems like there's more garbage that we talk about off the field and on the field, but the commissioner deserves $40 million a year. Uh, Randy's in Little Rock. He's on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Randy? Go ahead. Hey, fellas. How's it going this morning? Good, well, Randy. What do you got for us? I got a, I got a simple solution for all this. Thursday night football because I love Thursday night football. Okay. But the thing about it is what they should do, at least I blame the schedulers because due to the fact that if you know they're going to play on Thursday, why don't they just give them 
the Sunday off before they play on Thursday, give them their bye week then. Because, like, if you think about it, the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions, they play every Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think they would get that Sunday off before they play on Thursday. So why wouldn't you just, you know, make it to where you may have to work out a little, a few kinks here and there. Yeah, but I think it's hard, it's harder than just that. It's a really, really good yeah. idea, Randy. But I think there there has to be a reason why they're not doing that. And 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 here's the deal with the Thursday night games. It, you historically, you're right. Cowboys traditionally and the Lions have hooked up. And, and when I was growing up, it was Cowboys and, and Washington would play Thursday night, uh, Thanksgiving uh, on Thursdays. And and so uh, you know that going in, it's at the latter part of the season, and you have so much adrenaline going on surrounding a holiday. And, and so that helps you get through that short week, knowing the fact that you know family's around and it's a huge game and, and everyone's going to be watching this ball game because it only happens once a year where you're playing on a Thursday. So those are the different set of circumstances as opposed to now where everyone's going to have a Thursday night date and, and it's not looked... Uh, looked upon fondly. Yeah, and I think that you have like you'd have need to have someone to have a bye week in week two and three, and then usually with the first ones we see are four. So I mean, it's just it would. I, I, I like what the, the, I like what Randy is, is offering in, in theory, but is it practical? That's the that's probably the I would say probably not. College football talk next. Follow us on Twitter at Geo and Jones. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Huge college football weekend. (laughs) What? The biggest we've seen all year. (laughs) Yes. Last week. No, this is bigger. Seven games ranked on rank. This is bigger than that. This is bigger. You've got one, two, three, four, five. Five. It's bigger. <laughs> Five is bigger than seven on G.O. Yeah. Jones. Well, here's – well, you've got two in the top four that are playing other ranked teams. How yep. about that one? How about that? So that's why I feel one like One versus ten, Georgia, mm-hmm. Auburn. That's right. And five versus seven, TCU, Oklahoma. Yeah, but but not I'm not I'm talking about the top Notre Dame, Miami would be Notre the other Dame, one. Miami, yes. Three so, versus seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's all bigger. Do I have an argument? No. Damn. Maybe I hate it when he right. All right. When he half right. Well, of course, the one we care about the most is Georgia and Auburn because it's on CBS, right? No, I care about all of them. But yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Three thirty. Make sure you tune in. Before that, though, Florida, South Carolina. I care about that too. Yeah, I think that the two games that interest me the most are Georgia and Auburn and Miami and Notre Dame out of mm-hmm. all of them. And there's some other, I mean, Oklahoma TCU is going to be a great one too, but I put those other two ahead of it. And we're going to disagree on Georgia and Auburn. I mean, I just, I have not been given a reason to believe that anybody can beat Auburn at this point. And the best argument I get for them is that when they're in a tight game and a team stacks the box, and that defense is stopping their run game, and they are down in a game, is Jake Fromm going to be able to do everything he needs to do to lead that offense to a victory? And I think it's a lot harder than people think to just stop a run attack so much so that they got to lean on him with the way that they've been playing football. Uh, but my, my answer is yes. Yeah. 
I mean, has he shown you anything that says that he can't? Nope. All right, then. So, fine. So, that's why I, I Auburn's not – I mean, uh, George is not getting enough respect this week in, in my eyes. But I know you like Auburn, so try to sell me. Why are they not getting respect? I think they get a ton of respect. Uh, this the, is the, a re- line, the line is low. Everybody thinks at Auburn. How many times do you hear this week, well, Auburn runs a table. They're going to go right into the college football playoff. To me, it that's, shouldn't even be a discussion. That, 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 that's They're just losing speculating, this week. And, and Auburn deserves no to respect. be – Auburn deserves respect because of that defense. Now, offensively, they've struggled at times. Of course, you go back to the Clemson game, 11 sacks, LSU in the second half after posting 23 points, post nothing, and they had four sacks in that ball game. And and now, though, they've gotten healthier at the wide receiver position. Darius Slayton has given them opportunity to chunk the ball down the field. Uh, but in the running game, although Petway's not there, you got Carrion Johnson, Cam Martin. They're going to have to be huge, but even more so. I'm not even worried about Jake Fromm. He's proven that he's wiser beyond, than, than his years because of the true freshman coming in and playing like he has. He can make all the throws. He acts like he belongs. Jarrett Stidham has to be the catalyst for this game for a win if Auburn is to win the ball game. I think he has to play his best game, and we haven't seen that in the marquee matchups. You didn't see it versus Clemson because he was running for his life. You didn't see it in the second half versus LSU, only nine completions in that ball game. I thought they were throwing the ball too, down the field too much, no intermediate passes. So the defense comes as advertised. Even Kirby Smart said this will be the best defense we have faced all season long. They have some big boys up front. 330-308. This Holland kid leads him with sacks and, and tackles for loss. Carlton that, Davis in that secondary. To that point, Auburn's offense against great defenses the last couple of years yeah. hasn't worked out. I, I, that's what I just said. I know. That's why it's time for it to work out. It's not going it, to. It, it, I, I think it will. No. And they'll win by at least one. No. Half a point. No. They're going to win by a half a <laughs> point? Half a point. <laughs> So you think that there? Do you think that the Auburn defense? Don't will, give it away. I'm not telling you yet. You have to wait, just like right, everyone fine. else. All right. So I'm just saying, there's a reason why uh, you, you say George has been disrespected. I don't believe so. Yeah, it's a rivalry a game. Disrespect. It's on the plains. You're playing there in their house. That place is going to be nuts. It'll be crazy, and you're going up against a damn good defense. They've proven it now two years in a row that they're pretty good. That's the theme of my picks. Disrespectful spreads. Disrespectful. Disrespectful spreads. Yeah. So. Okay, what's the next game you will you the next team you think is being disrespected? Michigan State. That spreads yeah. up to seventeen now. Oh! Seventeen? You're mm-hmm. telling me more than two touchdowns? They can't keep this game at that. Why? Because Ohio State's angry. Yes, they are oh. so angry. So what? What were they last week, huh? Asleep? They were happy. I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me that the mood of a team that just got blown out is the best that you got for me? Yeah, you just got your asses kicked. You were just dominated. You were pushed around on the field. They posted 55 on you. Your head coach has never had 55 posted on any team he's ever coached, from Pop Warner to the Mac and to now to the Big Ten. So, yes, they're going to be angry, and they're in their backyard, and they're going to come out and they're going to play like it. Okay, and maybe they're not that good. Maybe it's just anger that has nothing to do with it. Maybe last week we saw that season turn for the worst, and it's not going to come back. Mm-hmm. So that's another. I, I do think Ohio State will win. 
Uh, but 17 is just a slap in the face of a team that's 7-2 and two and has been playing really, really damn well yeah, in Michigan I would agree. State. I, and this is a pretty good defense, so I, I'm with you. I think that is a slap in the face. Now I'm angry. Yeah, I told you, man. Slapping Mark D'Antoni in the D'Antonio, whatever his damn name is, in the faith. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry, I can't even pronounce his name. And why are you mumbling, Mikey B? Well, it's just, that's his M.O. That's his brand, is the mumble. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> There's a song I should hip you to, the mumble rap. Oh, yeah? Yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, Miami-Notre Dame has been talked about so much this week, and you know, it's really because of the, the history there, and I know I'm not going to bring up the old name not. of the rivalry. I will, you better not. Um, I will not say Bet Catholics versus Stop. convicts. I'm sorry. I was that was an accident, um, but I mean this is really you know this this Miami team that has gotten to this point with some unbelievable comebacks, with some cardiac kid games, whatever cliche phrase you want to use, you know against this Notre Dame team that we're going to talk to Chris Sims about in ten minutes that just leans on you, pushes you around, runs the football down your throat. I mean, I just see this being one of these games where it's all about time of possession and Notre Dame is just going to dominate and then just suffocate uh, this particular matchup with with no disrespect because that's the theme to Miami. <laughs> I just think that when you've got that many pro offensive linemen, a yeah. running game, and a quarterback that's getting better every week, they're just too good. And you have a defense in Miami, the, the front seven I've loved. They've got some bona fides. Potential superstars on this defense: Pinkley and Quarterman at, at the linebacker position, and and Jack Johnson at, on the D line. I mean, these guys are some horses up front. Uh, th- they can roll, uh, but they are allowing 170 yards on the ground. And you got a team coming in that's averaging three something on the ground. Uh, so uh, what's going to give? Uh, NC State came as number six rush defense. Notre Dame was the number six rush offense. And they gave to NC State. And I think you will see the same here. But the one feather in the cap of Miami, plus 11 in turnover margin. They have been pretty good at forcing the team into mistakes last week. Four turnovers uh, by Virginia Tech. And Miami capitalized on that. And Whereas Miami had three turnovers and, and Virginia Tech couldn't do anything with it. So uh, it should be a fun game. Uh, but I think the running game for for Notre Dame will prevail. It's going to be a it's going to be a damn good one. I'm looking forward to that one. And TCU Oklahoma, I'll just let you run with that one in the last minute here before we have to uh, go to a break and talk to Chris Sims. But I mean, this is classic defense versus offense, strength against strength. I'm going to lean towards the offense because I think the offense is a little bit better. Uh, Oklahoma's offense, the best unit in the nation. Minus six, right? Uh, yes, I believe it's OU uh, minus six. Uh, I would say it's going to be. About around there, yeah, uh, less than a touchdown victory for Oklahoma. Uh, and the defense, and they say they don't play defense in the, in, in the Big 12. Well, that's a misnomer. You have what you had last week there in Bedlam, and it was Bedlam. There's a reason they call it Bedlam because it's always crazy, a scene of a, just a crazy uproar, and that's what you had. But T, TCU has always hung its hat on the defense side of the ball. Last year was an aberration, and but they've always been dynamite, whether they were playing in the WAC, the Mountain West, and now the Big 12. So they're playing mighty good defense. Once again, held my Longhorns to nine yards rushing. That's it. That offensive line for Texas is not the same as this offensive line for Oklahoma. Big Orlando Brown Jr. on that side of the ball. This would be a different animal for the, the TCU Horn Frogs to tame. It's six and a half right now. Six and a half. That, that spread. Who? Oklahoma. And I say who's being disrespected. Iowa. Iowa. Minus 12. I mean, Wisconsin favorite minus 12? Did I see that correctly? Uh, you know I, me. I can't read. You might I, You might be right. I don't know. I have to. Minus 12? 
Well, I mean, Wisconsin's a powerhouse, man. Let's go. I would just put 55 Ohio State. Yeah, I know. But apparently that doesn't count for Ohio State. It's disrespect. So it shouldn't count Kirk for. Parents and the Hawkeye. Come on, man. Really? Too many damn spreads on this sheet. Mm-hmm. It's 12. Yes. It is 12. Yeah. yeah. What? They just lost the best wide receiver. The middle my, linebacker, my Chris Orr, is not going to play. That's all right. Tony Brook has thrown an interception in six straight, nine on the season. They're like a starfish. You cut off the arm and just regenerates into a new one. <laughs> Seafish, Schmeefish, they'll be fine. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T Mobile.com. 